truly at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 220 of Dogcast Radio. Find us at dogcastradio.com and on social media. This episode is about keeping dogs safe from both going missing and overheating. It's a dangerous world out there if you're a dog, but as owners, guardians, doggy parents, there are steps we can take and knowledge we can arm ourselves with to keep our dogs as happy, healthy and safe as possible. Later on, I'll be talking to Debbie Matthews about founding Vets Get Scanning after her dogs were stolen. I came out to my car and I could see two men standing by my car. As I was running closer, they said, did you have anything valuable in your car? And I said, are my dogs okay? And they looked in the car and said, what dogs? And we'll have all the dog news you need. The genome of an ancient Siberian dog, an even older wolf, and some modern dogs provided the first hard evidence of early dog diversification. But first, the weather has turned hot in the UK, and it's summer in the Northern Hemisphere, which can mean high temperatures and lots of sun. Great, right? Well, not necessarily. I'm talking today to Dr Michael Becker. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hi. So we're going to talk about a really important subject that we have to keep talking about every year, but the message doesn't necessarily get through. So we're going to move on to heat stroke, which is a vital subject to cover. But first of all, can you tell me a little bit about you and and your work? Yeah, so I'm a critical care veterinarian. Um, I work at a hospital called MASH, or Metropolitan Animal Specialty Hospital in uh, Hollywood, uh, mm-hmm. California. And uh, I guess what, what it takes to become a veterinary criticalist is uh, you, you go through veterinary school and then uh, an internship and a residency afterwards. So that's four to five years of, of extra training after wow. vet school. Um, oh. and then pass a tough uh, boards exam to kind of get all your credentials and everything. So I have been practicing um, as a criticalist for five years now uh, and as a vet for 10 years. And uh, as far as the type of things that we see, uh, it's a a pretty big variety of cases come in through the emergency service and, and get hospitalized with us. It'll be things like trauma cases, so like coyote attacks or or dog fights, Um, dogs that are hit by cars is unfortunately fairly frequent. Hmm. A lot of toxin ingestions, dogs just getting to things all the time they shouldn't. Um, And then a lot of patients that have complications from other other things, like, um, you know, if they have a chronic autoimmune condition that's flaring up and they might need blood transfusions. Or if they're a cancer patient that's seen our oncology team and, and has complications with their treatments or, or just the disease itself. Um, so it's a, a big variety of things that we see in the ICU. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So you're, you're a busy man. Yeah, typically. Yeah, we're, we're in a busy location. So we, we have a pretty busy hospital, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's that time of year where we're gearing up to well, you're gearing up to hotter weather than we are in the UK. But I mean, it's that time of year where, where it's, a, it's going to get hot. So we're going to talk about heat stroke. So first of all, what is heat stroke? Yeah, um, so heat stroke is kind of exactly what it sounds like. If, if we break down the definition, I don't have the actual like human medical definition in front of me, but essentially um, it's a heat-induced illness. So your body becomes overheated um, for a, a few different common reasons can, can cause that. And then the, the stroke part of the word um, just refers to there's some type of neurologic involvement. 
So your, your brain or your neurons in your brain are some of the cells in our body that are especially sensitive to being overheated. Hmm. So a lot of patients that have heat stroke will come in um, almost in a coma. Um, wow. they're, they're just very mentally dull because their, their brain's been damaged from the overheating. Mm-hmm. And uh, every, every tissue in the body is damaged at a slightly different temperature. Um, in, in, the, in the U.S., I guess I'm not going to be very good for your uh, U.K. listeners with, with temperatures, but with Fahrenheit, uh, a normal dog's temperature is about 100 to 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And we start to see damage occur in most of our tissues around about 106 to 107 Fahrenheit. And then um, the higher that gets, you know, the, the more severe the damage is. And, and then the other part of that is how long the body's temperature is that elevated. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have a, a dog's temperature get up to 106 for just a minute, they're probably not going to have too many complications. But if they're um, higher than that for a longer amount of time, you know, and, and, and even – sometimes just 10 to 15 minutes um, after a walk when they weren't ready for the heat can cause pretty serious damage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a, um, a serious, it's a dangerous, dangerous condition for a dog to, to have, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, very much so. The, the, I guess the second part of, of what is heat stroke um, is after you have that thermal damage to all your tissues, the, the body then goes into shock and mm. you get a secondary damage because um, what, what we say when we say shock in, in medicine, um, there's kind of different ways to describe it. But basically, the tissues are not getting adequate blood flow. Mm. And so they're not getting enough oxygen and glucose or sugar to, to do their normal functions. And so that, that causes additional damage. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, it's very important that we we realize if our dog is suffering from heat stroke. So how can we spot, because it may not be readily apparent to us, how do we spot if our dog has got heat stroke? Yeah, sometimes it's more obvious than others, certainly. And sometimes it can happen faster than you expect. So the the main things you're going to look for, the the kind of big signs, um, they're going to start panting, especially heavy. Mm. Um, And that may or may not indicate a problem alone. Um, but if their breathing gets worse, where you're worried about their effort of, of how heavy they're breathing, that can be the first sign. Mental uh, dullness or changes in mentation can happen pretty quickly. So they may just collapse mm-hmm. or they may just become kind of less responsive than you're used to seeing them. You call them over, they're, they're either too weak to look over at you or, or just not really all there even. Yeah. And, and then the other... Um, couple other kind of common things are if you look at their gums, their, hmm. their uh, gingiva there, they'll often turn colors. They might turn like a, a dark red color or a brick red color um, that's abnormal. And then the, the last thing in, in dogs is they'll have a GI upset just out of nowhere. So hmm. they might be, you know, mid-walk or, or mid-playing and, and then they reach that critical temperature. They'll just all of a sudden vomit or, or have diarrhea that's has lots of blood in it. Um, so pretty pretty scary when you see that but yes yes. any combination of of those things would be the main signs to look out for yeah yeah so obviously if it's hot be alert for those signals so what do we do so we we know what to look for we we spot those signs we're worried and you know the weather's hot what should we do if we realize or we suspect our dog may have heat stroke yeah um just to keep it really simple two things uh is what you should do 
first thing is, is cool your dog off as soon as you possibly can. Um, that's the most life-saving thing you can do. And, and that gets back to what we just talked about at the beginning, where the longer they're overheated, the more dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. So um, depending on where you are, you know, if, if you have, if you're close to home or close to your car, um, get them in the car, blast the AC, start driving with the windows down so they can get that breeze. Um, and and if you're close to anywhere with a hose or a shower or a bathtub, um, go ahead and cool them off with, with that. So just hose your dog down with water. Um, and we, we recommend not using ice cold water, actually. So, mm. so don't do an ice bath. Um, just cool water or even room temperature water. Um, keep in mind with the hose, if it's hot outside, it might be really hot for the first several seconds mm. uh, as it empties the water that was in the hose. But but just cooling them off is is the best thing you can do. Um, sooner the better. Yeah. And then and then get them to the vet ASAP. So, so find your um, you know closest emergency hospital and and take them in. And they can do some additional things like starting IV fluids, continuing cooling measures if if needed, um, and and getting some initial diagnostics like some blood work. Um, the sooner we get all that done, the much more likely we are to have a successful outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Just to backtrack a little bit. When you say uh, don't, don't use sort of ice cold water, because obviously our instinct is we need to get the dog's temperature down. Let's do it as quickly as possible. Let's put the coldest water on them that we can. Why yeah. shouldn't we? Cause I think that's important that people understand why. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you yeah asked to clarify that. So it, it just has to do with the physiology of how we cool ourselves down. So when we are overheated, in addition, like for us, we can sweat and dogs can't sweat, but they can pant. Um, mm-hmm. But another change that our bodies undergo is, is the blood vessels that we have uh, make some changes. So, so they will shunt some of their blood by constricting vessels on their inside um, and, and dilating their vessels on the skin and, and on the outside of their body. That dilating the blood on the outer parts of the body allows more blood flow there. And that allows them to get rid of more heat. So, so they just improve their blood flow to the extremities so they can radiate that heat off better. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you put them in an ice bath, that ice causes what's called vasoconstriction or constricting those blood vessels. So it actually kind of counteracts their natural mechanism to uh, cool themselves off. So yes. that's why we, we just do kind of cool water or room temp water and, that, and then let evaporation do its thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what I want to say, what causes it? Now, when I say that, obviously, heat <laughs> causes it. But what I mean is, how can we avoid it? How can we prevent it? You know, what can we? What are the? What's the wrong thing to do? And what's the right thing to do in weather that right. might cause our dog problems? Right. Yeah. Definitely several parts to answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost is is just avoiding the situation, um, that can cause it. And and like you said, it sounds obvious, but there are some kind of finer points that, that people may not know. One thing is our dogs are, and us for that matter, are more susceptible to heat right now, earlier in the season. Um, Mm. so, so our bodies have some physiologic changes they can make as we adapt to heat that Mm. makes us better able to tolerate it as we get used to it. So a dog, most dogs are going to be more susceptible to heat stroke right now when it's just getting warm than they will in September, even if wow. it's a little warmer in September mm-hmm. um, or, you know, at the end of the summer. So, 
So that's one thing to know is, is, is right now. And kind of one of our classic um, presenting heat stroke cases is going to be the weather's beautiful. It's only 82 degrees Fahrenheit here, which isn't necessarily that hot um, to a lot of people. Um, it's the first sunny day in a while. I'm going to go take my dog on a, on a five mile hike in the Hills mm-hmm. and, and they just don't think anything of it. But, um, right now that's a lot more dangerous uh, because they're not acclimated to the heat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other, other things to avoid is, is leaving your dog in the car mm. pretty much period. Um, yes. pretty much no matter what. Um, and I, we actually, to, to illustrate that we had a really sad case just last week. Hmm. Um, a, a client left their dog in their car with the air conditioning running and it, it was an SUV and the dog was in the back part of the car. So it probably wasn't getting the circulation that maybe the front seats were getting. Yeah. But, um, he, he came in and, and the, the dog had been, had been passed for or dead for a while, you know, probably oh. at least 20, 30 minutes before he even got here. Hmm. Um, and I, I didn't have the info for how long he was in the car, um, but but the you know the the poor family mm. was just devastated and and they just didn't know. Yeah. Um, but but that's why I I recommend being really strict about it. It's just not worth it. If if your yeah. car's in, in any amount of sun, it, it's crazy how fast our cars can heat up in the yeah. sun, mm. even in five minutes. Um, and and dogs not being able to sweat are going to be uh, more predisposed to overheating faster than, than humans. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads into the next part of the answer is, is especially certain breeds of dogs. Mm. This is the really important thing to know um, for owners of um, any dog that's what we call a brachycephalic dog. Mm. So what that means is, is dogs with a smushed in face. So here in LA, French bulldogs are very, very popular. They're yeah. everywhere. Um, super cute little. Oh, little yes. <laughs> Um, but they, they, any dog with that conformation, um, English bulldogs included, boxers, uh, Cavalier, King Charles Spaniels, pugs, all those guys can't cool themselves down as well. And, and that's because when dogs pant to cool themselves off, what they're doing is they're moving air back and forth through their nasal passages. And, and they're getting, that's kind of how they're sweating. They're yeah. letting evaporation happen by moving that air back and forth really fast. And, and these dog breeds um, don't have the nasal passages to cool themselves off. And, and they also have some other kind of upper airway conformational things that, that make it harder for them to breathe in general. That also makes it harder for them to cool off. So mm-hmm. if, if you're an owner of any of those types of dogs, it's especially important to avoid... Um, avoid any activity in the middle of the day when it's hot avoid leaving your dog in a car uh etc then i guess real fast a couple other situations um to avoid you need to make sure your dog has water um so if you have to leave them outside make sure there's plenty of water they're not going to run out that's super important and then make sure they have good ventilation so what i mean by that is i i've seen uh heat stroke in a Boston Terrier before where they were in a crate and um, someone put a a blanket over the crate because they Mm. thought that helped them calm down and kind of sleep better. But there was no ventilation. And and this is indoors. Um, The dog overheated inside of that crate and and suffered heat stroke. So make sure there's good good airflow if if at all possible. You know, if, if you're in a a home without air conditioning, 
um, if you can provide fans for your dog and open windows and that type of thing would be recommended. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and you, you've mentioned some breeds that that owners should be careful, and that's that's a really important point because it's they do overheat so fast and they can't you know regulate their temperature. Um, are there any conditions if your dog has got certain conditions um, that sort of predispose them to having heat stroke? Yeah, yeah. The the big ones um, besides those breeds are, are going to be um, like the other kind of classical presentation is an o- older dogs um, mm. are, are more more uh, predisposed to it. Just like in people, when when there's heat waves, you, the people that really suffer are, are the elderly, and so same thing with dogs. Mm. Um, and then large breed dogs that are overweight. So this is like your your. 12 year old golden retriever mm-hmm. that's a little little hefty in his old age as active and, um, and has a playful demeanor you know he might just kind of be happy and, and playing and, and not not even realize he's overexerting himself yeah and then a um, couple conditions to know about that are that are on the list um, if your dog has heart disease mm-hmm. that's going to be something to know that they need to take it easier especially in the heat um, if your dog has a history of neurologic disease, um, so maybe if they have a history of seizures or a spinal injury, um, th- those things can potentially cause complications with heat stroke. And then um, any breathing issue. And, and so the other big one we see is dogs that have laryngeal paralysis. Mm. That, that's a kind of a chronic neurologic degeneration issue where, where the nerves that supply our larynx, the the muscles that open and close as we breathe, um, they open when we inhale and close when we swallow water and things like that. So we yeah. don't um, aspirate and, and have that water go down the windpipe. Um, those muscles can become paralyzed and, and they don't work as well. And so those guys are, are really predisposed to heat stroke because of that. And the, the breeds that have that are the, the same thing I just said, your older Labradors and golden mm-hmm. retrievers, those types of things, um, and the way you know if your dog has that condition is a lot of times they will have what we call a voice change mm. where their, their bark becomes a lot more hoarse uh, or harsher, quieter. And you may hear a breathing change as yeah. it progresses um, as they get older as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, Labrador. It wasn't what, um, what took him, but our Labrador lived to 15 and a half and he had um, very right. hoarse breathing and... And I, I discussed with our vet about this because there's, there's um, surgery you can do, isn't there? And they were saying, but that surgery is for dogs that have it worse than this and would only get him back to where he is now. So luckily he, he didn't, that wasn't what his ultimate problem was. Um, well, you could recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. There is a surgery, but it, it does have some complications because it, it basically involves keeping that muscle all the way so yeah. that they can always breathe better. Mm. But the big complication is they, they tend to get aspiration pneumonia a lot because they oh. can't protect their airway very well. So yeah. so we do save it, yeah, until it's a little more yes. severe cases. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, that, that, that that's great. Thank you for that information. But we do have to put this information out, you know, year after year, summer after summer. And it's I, – I just don't understand why people don't – take it in and think yeah I, I really have to protect my my dog from this heat do you think it's because as humans I mean I I don't like the heat myself anyway but do you think generally as a species humans go oh yeah it's great it's you know we've got the heat back let's hit the beach let's lie in the in the garden and fry ourselves that we we generally like the heat but and so we think yeah our dogs will like it too do you think maybe that's the problem 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's a big component of it. it it's um, it, it seems nice to us, exactly mm-hmm. as you said. It, it's especially especially when we haven't had it in a while. Yeah. You know, we want to we want to get out. We want to get some sun. Um, it, it's just nicer to be outside, and we just don't realize it. I think it's kind of kind of human nature to to overlook things or, or not not always realize um uh, you know think through all the risks i guess just to enjoy a nice day and and even though as you said we always have to put this out year after year um i unfortunately it's probably always going to be like that yeah yeah and as you said the, the the dogs in cars thing i think the safest thing is as you said just don't do it. Don't leave the dog in the car because it's so tempting to go, I'll only be two minutes, five minutes. And then you get distracted or something goes wrong and you're delayed. It's just, it's not worth, if it's too hot, don't leave the exactly. dog in the car. It, yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. You, you, whatever you're doing, running into the store. What if you see someone you know in there, next thing you know, it's, it's been 20, 30 minutes and your car's AC isn't working well when it's, when it's um, not moving. And uh, yeah, it, it can happen pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's heartbreaking. It's horrible because if you know, when, once it's too late, it's too late, and it's unfortunately it's the, the the dog that bears the consequences. It's awful. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add that we we haven't had a chance to to talk about yet? Um, not necessarily. I, I think we've covered a lot of the important information. Um, mm-hmm. just just knowing who's more susceptible to it and how to avoid it is the most important thing, and, and then knowing the signs and what to do if it does happen. Um, Unless you wanted to go over, you know, more details of of what happens once they're in the hospital and the kind of physiology behind it. But yeah, that that would be interesting, actually, because I, I, I I wouldn't have a clue and sort of, yeah, it would, I think it helps to, you know, if you find yourself in that position, unfortunately, it would be nice to know sort of how you can help them. Yeah. What to expect. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, I guess just talking about the main organ systems that are affected, um, like we said, the the entire body is overheated. And so each of our organs is affected a little differently, but the, the really common complications we see are are the brain, um, like we touched on earlier becomes damaged. Um, luckily that's usually reversible. Hmm. Um, as long as we get them in the hospital before, before it's too late, the other big organs we see are, are definitely the GI tract, um, but that also is one that will usually heal given several days to a week or so. The, the two other really scary things that are common, or maybe three, are, are the kidneys, um, the clotting system, and then a little less commonly the lungs. Hmm. And so it, it's really common for dogs to get what's called acute kidney injury. And that just means sudden kidney damage. And, and when that happens, um, it it is usually recoverable they can usually overcome that but but there's a chance that their kidneys can fully fail if it's bad Mm. enough and and they can die from that the the clotting system was the next thing i mentioned it's it's very common for them to develop trouble forming blood clots and Mm. they can just start having bleeding um it's it's really scary you can see them develop bruises all over their skin um sometimes they might start bleeding internally like into their into their GI tract or, or just into their internal cavities. Um, so they need blood transfusions and plasma transfusions to replace clotting proteins that will help them kind of get that back under control. But, but that's potentially a, a deadly complication. Mm-hmm. And then the lungs can develop an acute lung injury, which when it happens, it, it's kind of 
kind of similar to what this COVID-19 virus does to our lungs. Now, mm. That's an infectious cause, obviously, that damages the lungs. But uh, in, in this heat stroke case, it, it's the heat that can, that can do it. And, and the lungs develop a lot of inflammation and, and fluid in them. And, and in the worst case scenarios, dogs may need to go on a ventilator. Um, mm. and, and when that happens, that significantly worsens their prognosis. Um, yeah. So it's just a lot of a lot of the organs or all of the organs can can have various issues like this and and they need a lot of close monitoring a lot of aggressive supportive care in the hospital and uh an average hospitalization time i would say is is three days in a less severe case and probably about five to seven days in in a lot of cases um to let all these organ function all these organs systems um recover yeah yeah and that's a lot of time to sit at home and worry about your dog isn't it it is it is it's a lot of time everyone's yeah as you said it's a very emotional thing Mm -hmm. um, when your dog's going through this especially because it's was potentially avoidable yeah yeah Um, and and the other thing is that it's costly to have your dog in the hospital that long yeah and and that's a hard part of it also yeah of course that's yeah so all in all michael it's better to avoid it isn't it Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's why I'm happy to do this. I'm, I'm glad you're getting this out and hopefully we can, we can help some people avoid it. It's definitely yeah. my preferred approach. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Well, I've had some stand up rows with people in car parks and sort of said, look, I've hoiked them out <laughs> of the supermarket and say, you know, I've had it put over the, uh, the PA and sort of, you know, you, with the driver of whatever the registration number is and they've had to, they've come out and they always come out arguing. Yeah, what's your problem? My problem is your dog is overheating in your car. That's my problem. And it's none of your business. Like, okay, fine. It's fine. I shall just phone the police. And then they generally change their um, attitude. But it's um, it is, it's a, a serious issue, isn't it? It is. It is. It's so serious. That That's great that you do that because they, <laughs> even though they're arguing with you, they don't know you may have saved them. Yes. Yeah. A, their dog's life or, or a very big hospital bill. Yeah. Yeah. And they may not like me, but the dog will like me. And that's that's more important. to that's, me. That's why we're here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Where can can people find out more about you and, and, and MASH uh, online? Um, just by going to our website would be the best way. Um, just Google search for Metropolitan Animal Specialty Hospital in Los Angeles. OK, smashing. Great. Um, now, I have to ask with your location, have you um, do you have celebrity clients? Or could um, you not say? Yep. Yeah, well, we do. I, mm. I probably shouldn't give any names for the whole patient yeah. client privilege type of thing, but um, but yeah, yeah, we definitely do. Yeah. Uh, wow. In general, they're they're very nice. Uh, the other thing, though, is a lot of times it's it's their um, their like assistants that will bring the dog, and they don't necessarily go out in public themselves for these type of things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you could say, of course, well, really, I need to, to speak to the owner. I can't, <laughs> you'll have to come in, <laughs> depending right. who it was. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, listen, Michael, thank you ever so much for that information. That was brilliant. And let's hope we've saved some dogs from suffering this year. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Happy to help. We have the link to mash.vet on the Dogcast Radio site. And thanks to Dr. Michael for explaining so fully for us. How do you help your dog beat the heat? Have you confronted someone about exposing their dog to the risk of heat stroke? Do share that with us, and we'd love to see your photos of your dogs in paddling pools or enjoying doggy ice cream and so on.
In hot, sunny weather, pavements and sidewalks can get incredibly hot and can burn dog paws, increase body temperature and lead to overheating. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News. How long do you think humans have been breeding dogs? I don't know, but I assume you're going to tell me. You're right. Well, an extensive team, including experts in ancient DNA, have found that nine and a half thousand years ago, we had already been selectively breeding to create an Arctic sled dog. The sled dog had mutations in its genes, which control oxygen use and temperature sensitivity, marking them out as distinct from other dogs and wolves. Those genes are still to be found in modern Arctic breeds, such as Alaskan Malamutes, and Alaskan and Siberian Huskies, and especially the Greenland dogs. Nicole Holger, S. Singing, of the University of Copenhagen, one of the lead researchers on the project, said the genome of an ancient Siberian dog, an even older wolf, and some modern dogs provided the first hard evidence of early dog diversification. Dogs were domesticated at least 15,000 years ago, but this is the first time someone has investigated and found evidence of what was going on 10,000 years ago. The team compared the DNA from a jawbone dating to 9,500 years ago with the genome of a 33,000 years old Siberian wolf and some modern Greenland dogs as well as canine genomes archived in databases. One thing they found was that there was little interbreeding with wolves among ancient or modern sled dogs. So breeding is nothing new, but modern technology has brought its own challenges for dogs and those who love them. You may well have seen the high-profile story in the UK of a Pomeranian puppy imported from Russia who sadly died just six days after he'd arrived at his new home. It can be difficult enough to track down a reliable, reputable breeder in your own country, and shopping for a dog abroad offers even more scope to get things wrong. We're not commenting on specific cases, but some breeds can sell for thousands, and importing a pup probably won't give you the opportunity to meet its parents. Besides which... It's stressful enough for a puppy to leave their family and adapt to a new home. Imagine if a long journey is thrown in, quite possibly isolated in an airplane hold. Think of all the smells, sights and sounds the poor pup is bombarded with. So it's no surprise that Danielle Dos Santos, the chair of British Veterinary Association, is highlighting the risks both dogs and potential owners face when they import from abroad. We've all seen photos on social media of cute puppies from supposed breeders, But it's always worth investigating how many pups, how many breeds they offer, whether they do any health tests, and of course, whether they want to question you about the kind of home you'll be offering their baby, or if their priority is to talk money. We have a responsibility to dogs to make sure their lives are as good as possible. And as we mentioned last time, some dogs are busy working on making life better for us by learning to detect the scent of COVID-19. We love the story of one of the dogs who is involved with this work, a cocker spaniel called Asher. He's putting his amazing nose to good use for medical detection dogs, but at one point his future looked doubtful. He had lived in several homes, was destructive, couldn't sleep and tried to escape. Then he met Dr Claire Guest, the CEO of the charity, and she could see Asher's potential. Having worked with many hyperactive spaniels, Claire knew that qualities which can make a dog a nightmare as a pet can mean they are perfectly suited for a working life. With a purpose in life, Asher is relaxed and happy. He has been trained to detect malaria, so he won't actually be working as a COVID detection dog, but he is helping Claire establish that the disease does have a scent which dogs can reliably detect. 
A dog who was initially a problem may now help us find our way through this pandemic. Meanwhile, researchers at Baylor College of Medicine in Texas, USA, have been investigating the potential therapeutic effect of CBD for arthritic pain in dogs. It's hoped the results could lead the way to studying its effect in humans. CBD is a non-addictive product derived from hemp, and the researchers had already shown that it can significantly reduce the production of inflammatory molecules and immune cells associated with arthritis in mice. Next, the study established that CBD can improve the quality of life for dogs with arthritis as assessed by vets and owners. 20 dogs were enrolled in the study via Sunset Animal Hospital in Houston. They were prescribed either CBD, liposomal CBD, or a placebo. Dogs were studied because they are more appropriate for assessing human arthritis pain than other animals. After four weeks, nine of the ten dogs on CBD showed benefits, which remained for two weeks after the treatment stopped. Let's hope CBD will help many dogs and people dealing with arthritis. We finish with a warning from the RSPCA about dogs in hot cars after 330 heat-related calls during lockdown. As lockdown eases and the heatwave continues, with more Britons enjoying days out, the charity is sending a stark reminder to owners to never leave a dog in a hot car, vehicle, caravan, conservatory or outbuilding in warm weather. Each summer, the RSPCA is part of a coalition of organisations and charities to run the Dogs Die in Hot Cars campaign, which includes advising members of the public what to do if they spot a dog in a car on a warm day, which is to not be afraid to dial 999. The police will inform the RSPCA if animal welfare assistance is required. Dr Sam Gaines, dog welfare expert at the RSPCA, said, Our message is very clear. Please do not put your pet at risk by leaving them in a vehicle on a warm day. Please leave them at home with access to a cool, shady area and plenty of water. I'm off right now to find a cool, shady area and a cold drink. Ah, for mischief. Well... She can come with me, yes. Oh dear. That's it for now. See you next time. According to PetFinder.com, up to 2 million animals are stolen each year. Only about 10% are ever returned home. I can hardly believe it, but it was 14 years ago when I first interviewed Debbie Matthews after her experience of having her dogs, Widget and Gizmo, stolen prompted her to take action. We used Zoom for this interview, so I could see Debbie, which is different because usually I do audio interviews, but it meant, as you will hear, I could show Debbie Mischief, who was asleep beside me, and she could show me her dog. I caught up with what progress had been made in that 14 years. Lots, you'd think. Hmm, well, not so much and not for want of trying. So if you feel strongly about this, please get behind Debbie's campaign and let's make sure our dogs have the best chance possible of getting back to us if they're lost or stolen. Yes, I've just shared the post because it was 14 years yes. since they were stolen, which was quite unbelievable, really. Um, but like lots of people, I'd popped into the shops, I'd left my dogs in the car. Back then, 14 years ago, yeah. it wasn't seen as an issue. All right, if it was a hot day, you wouldn't do it, but no. it was a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I came out to my car and I could see two men standing by my car, started running because I thought the dogs are going to be going mad. What, what are they doing standing there? And uh, as I was running closer, they said, did you have anything valuable in your car? And I said, are my dogs okay? And I could see the window had been smashed on the driver's uh, side. And they looked in the car and said, what dogs? Um. And 
well, you can imagine you're a dog lover. Yes. The, the shock at that moment. Yeah. Uh, oh. Um, that we phoned the police. They're waiting to speak to you because they wanted to know what had been taken from your car. So phoned the police. I was in quite a bad state at the time. And yeah, I said, my yeah. dogs have been stolen. My dogs have been taken. No, no, no. What did you leave in your car that was oh. valuable? I said, I said, my dogs were in the car. Now, did you leave a laptop? Was your handbag, handbag on view? No, my dogs were in the car. And, and then the word, the immortal words were, oh, as it's only dogs, we won't come out. Oh. And really, that set the scene for the last 14 years, yes. really. I mean, we haven't really moved on that, that way. Although I have to say, during lockdown... Um, police are getting an awful lot of stolen dogs because dog thieves aren't stopping with the lockdown. Yeah. I've never seen so many dogs being taken in the last month. It's just been ridiculous. And we've actually had some success stories as well, which yes. is brilliant. Yeah, but, reading those. Um, back then, there, there, wasn't, yeah, there wasn't the social media. There wasn't, um, when I got home, you know, what do you do? Um, because of my father, um we we found dog lost on on which had been going a few years before my dogs went missing because i think jane's dog had been stolen um so there was a, a setup already for you um you could put the pictures in the information and hey press you got a mm-hmm. poster which back then was like well it still is today for people who don't know what to do yeah yeah um and uh because my father was famous, she said to me to keep quiet, um, let the dogs be sold on. They were seven years old and neutered. Mm. So hopefully they would just be sold on quickly. They were no good for breeding. So they would be sold for cash. So we were quiet for the week. I went back to um, the store where they'd been stolen from and we posted, posted, posted. There wasn't a lamppost within a five-mile radius, I wouldn't think, from where they were going every waking moment which was virtually 24 hours a day I just was out postering and speaking to people and the local radio picked it up and but not knowing who my father was just that the two these two dogs had been stolen um so we got amazing coverage um and then the newspapers started to twig who my father hadn't mentioned my father was Bruce Forsyth so it was a big name, um, and it was an un- unknown story back then that dogs were stolen. It wasn't it wasn't big news like it is today. Yeah, yeah. To actually have a car window smashed that they were the target mm-hmm. was was a story, was an interesting story. So the newspapers held back for the week. We didn't want to make them too hot to handle because we didn't want anything to happen to them. We wanted them to be sold on. Yes. And just previously to that... Um, a couple of months before, I think it was, Lionel Blair had had his dog disappear. Yeah. And, and they wondered if it was... Sorry, that's my dog just come <laughs> Less. <laughs> they wondered if, if it was targeted, if I'd been followed, if there was going to be a ransom demand. All those things were, like, in the police's head as well. And we eventually, after the week, um, I think it was the Daily Mirror that picked it up first then the bbc news we did a live um interview with uh, natasha kaplinsky hmm. on the bbc news that night we got a request from gmtv and we did a live appeal on gmtv and it was through that 
interview in the morning that the person who'd bought one of the dogs was watching Widget. Was, and he said, I think I've got your dog. Oh. Um, dog Love's got involved, got a, a, a animal warden to go around to scan to see if it was Widget, and it was Widget. And he'd oh. bought Widget in a, from a box in Southall in a livestock market. And he said there were other dogs. And I said, can you remember seeing Gizmo? He's smaller. And he was, and he said, no, I can't rest. I gave him extra money to see if he could find out for me through the grapevine if there was any finding out. Um, GMTV were delighted and they did a follow-up the following morning to say, right, we've got Widget back, let's (laughs) let's go for Gizmo. (laughs) Southall area, which was about 30 miles from where they were taken in Camberley. Um, And that morning the lady who bought Gizmo phoned in to say, I bought your dog in a park. With a man and a child, they they thought he was a puppy. He was seven years old, but he was a small Yorkie. Oh, bless! Um, and I got Gizmo back, so it was a miracle, absolute yes. miracle. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, that was the early days. We were just really getting together and and finding out that there was a problem, and then it was very early days. But there's so many lessons to learn from from your story, aren't there? And and and. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, the right way to buy a dog or adopt a dog. You know, whether it's from a breeder or from a rescue, there's a right way to do it and and many, many wrong ways to do it. You know, but it is important because as those two people found out, it's not just, you know, this isn't just an airy fairy. I'll do it for the rights of the dog if that's how they view it. I mean, uh, you know, you and I would say, no, that's a very solid reason for buying the right way for the the rights of the dog and the, the welfare of the dog. But for the emotional protection of the people, let alone the financial protection of the people, you know, it's important that you do acquire a dog in the right way, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. Um, I I was very grateful that the lady had bought Gizmo because actually he'd been thrown up in the air and being tossed around. So she actually went over to see if she could stop what was happening. She could see that Gizmo was in distress. So actually she stepped in to to rescue Gizmo and paid £150 for him. But I I asked both people this question because I said, why did you buy dogs like that? And and both people lived in flats and both Mm. people couldn't get a rescue dog. Yeah, yeah. So there are gaps in the system and you can understand why... But one of the things I did say to them is, would you have gone to the vet with these dogs? Well, you know, they were both animal lovers. They both loved the dogs. I could see that they'd loved yeah. In one week, they'd fallen in love with these with my dogs. Um, and I said to them, you know, would you have gone to the vet? Oh, yes, we would have gone to the vet. And that's where we, the, the route that we took to try and get dogs back home. Because back then... I was about the only person that had had a dog stolen, two dogs stolen. I could prove they were stolen because my car window was smashed. I found the two dogs because of uh, media that they'd been sold on, which wasn't known about then that much. And also that those dogs would have gone to a vet at some point. So I I could actually create a circle with my dogs. Lots of dogs disappear and you never see them again. Mm. I got my dogs back. Family people who loved those dogs bought them and they would have gone to the vets. And that's why vets are the crucial link in what I wanted to do. And my husband said to me, if you could change anything, what would it be? And I said, well, it would be that vets would scan pets when they 
first registered at the practices. That was 14 years ago. (laughs) And today I'm still trying. It's unbelievable. But it's, it's the hardest petition to get going because... We've all been indoctrinated with microchip your dog. Your dog will get back to you. And it's not just the government who introduced the regulations a few years back now. It's all the rescues, all the charities. I've been at the meetings with them all, you know, all saying microchip your dog. But this part of it, the reuniting the pets, the government only introduced the compulsory microchipping of dogs to save money on the council's kenneling fees. They didn't take into consideration, like everybody else, they assume that dogs that are sold on to the public who don't know they bought stolen dogs, like the two people who bought my dog, those dogs haven't got a way back home. Mm. And, And I don't know how you, you know, we share the stories. We've just shared a cat story a cat called Pop, and um, the, we we constantly tell people to check that their microchips are registered because the databases are in a terrible state. They just can't handle uh-huh. the volume of dogs that are registered and, and vets don't register microchips, and, and, and there's a whole – so many gaps in the system. It's unbelievable. Um, and one of the things we keep telling people is check that your – microchip is registered on a uk database um and this lady whose cat went missing in november last year she just phoned the database just to check everything was okay like we keep telling people to do and she found out that her cat's microchip has been re-registered to somebody else and her cat has been rehomed so that cat has been into a rescue (sighs) center Mm. and hasn't been checked and now she's got the problem trying to sort out Petlog and Blue Cross to find out how are two big organisations which we trust in. Yes. We trust them. Yeah. You know, have let the system down again. And time and time again we get these stories. And trying to get that to, to the public, to this could happen to anyone. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's not just the people who are suffering today who then find out who have, their cats and dogs are missing you know, it could happen to you tomorrow. Your cat could run off or your yeah. dog could bolt out the door. You know, these accidents happen with yes. our pets. You yeah. can't always help it. But, you know, it can happen to anybody who's got a microchip pet. Yeah. And we've got to get the system working for everyone, not just for stray dogs. It has to be for everyone. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I can remember all those years ago, you know, unbelievably, we had virtually this conversation about sort of that when you when I go to my doctor's, there's a there's a screen on the wall, and I check in, you know, and I put my tick my details, whatever, and I check in. Now, surely at the vets, we could have something similar. I, I realise they're very busy, they're wonderful, but very very busy people. But could we not have a scanner that we sort of just scan our animals as we go in to save them time? Well, the 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 way they get around not checking up hmm. on the is they're now saying that they will scan hmm. so your pet will go in they they scan the, the pet what will come up on the microchip scanner is the number they then put that number onto their files hmm. and onto their own database 
But what they're not doing is they're not cross-checking the original microchip registration. So they're not checking to see if you own your dog and it's registered on the microchip database. So they, they can say, oh, yes, we're scanning, but they're not checking the microchip. Oh, my goodness. So if someone has bought, you know, in all good faith, bought or rescued or, you know, in, as in the, I'm thinking of the lady that sort of rescued the dog in the, your dog in the park. But if they go to the, their vets with their new animal that is microchipped, the vet will just register that microchip and won't check up that it it's, doesn't belong to somebody else? No, it depends on the questions that they've asked. A lot of vets just don't want to get involved in ownership disputes. Yeah. They haven't got the time, as you said. Uh, but we're saying that to make it easier, if, if new pets that register, every new pet yes. that registers yeah. should be checked. Now, not only does that help the new owner um, with the microchip details, it makes sure that the chip is registered on a database mm-hmm. that is acceptable in the UK. Because at the moment, there's if you Google uh, register microchip, the first um, website that comes up is actually an American website. Um, it looks like it's UK. I think it's called UK Pet Registry. It's the first one that comes up. The government know this. Um, you register your details, but it's not compliant to the British system. So you can pay the £15, hmm. register your pet, if your pet gets scanned and is checked, the chip will come up as unregistered. So okay. it's another loophole. It's yeah. another problem in the system. And you can't keep on about microchipping. They're thinking about making it compulsory for cats. Thank God DEFRA are looking into this now because it's been five years since the dog regulations. And everybody's written in. We've written in and been part of the process of what needs to change to make this work but how can that be how can you have a a website advertising in the uk which god knows how many people have registered their pets on and any of those pets get lost they'll be scanned and it'll be unregistered so what we're saying to the vets if you help at the first presentation of the pet yes yeah you can make sure it's registered on a uk database you can make sure the details are up to date it's a win-win situation for yeah. everybody. Why can't they help with that? Yeah. Well, I, I'm at a loss after 14 years. Mm. Not just the moral <laughs> aspect of this. Yeah. But we're being sold something that doesn't exist for so many people. It's yeah. just not working. It doesn't work. That's it's it's just so so sad because I mean they're a member of our family aren't they they you you love them I mean my I don't I'll, I'll just turn my our Missy is lying there oh. <laughs> beside me she's know, so, I've got mine down yes bless <laughs> but I mean, they are part of our families and you read these horrible you know we we started up Fern's Law I don't know if you've seen yes, yeah Fern's Law is the heading for the new petition to get make it compulsory. To, to scan and check microchip regulation, um, get it into the new regulations. And thank God, at last, the government have responded and said they are considering making it mandatory. Mm. But what we don't want that to do is put people off signing the petition because we needed yes. a bit on this. Yes. So we still want people to sign. So if any listeners out there, Ferns Law, hashtag Ferns Law on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on all thing, and the links are up there. We're on the it's the new government uh, petition link, and we're nearly at twenty five thousand. 
signatures, but we need the 100,000 to trigger the debate in Parliament. And we really need to get this sorted. And the hard thing, as I said right at the beginning, people don't, they think that this is a, a, a petition about getting your dogs microchipped. Mm. It's not. It's about getting the chip scanned and working for us, like yes. we believe it is. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's a minefield, isn't it? I, I, you know, it's. It's. You must feel like you're just banging your head against a brick wall with this, for, because to have this fight for so many years and to see all those, you know, I mean, I see some of your posts on on Facebook, but you must be bombarded with this constant. The misery of it, it's awful. It's heartbreaking for people because there are simple solutions. It's not rocket science. You know, microchips were made to be scanned. Yeah, That's that's how simple it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I was shocked 14 years ago when I found out it wasn't being used to reunite pets. Yeah, 14 years on when we have so much pet. I mean, the the last figures we had, it's, it's, I think it's nearly six to seven dogs a day stolen um i don't know if you've seen over the last few days we've had um litters of puppies stolen uh working gun dogs stolen um uh, it's just mind-blowing i just hope the government can see now that because the lockdown hasn't stopped this theft this has carried on yeah i think crime in general is down by like 60 percent across the country Yeah. yeah but Dog theft is carrying on full at full rate. It's just heartbreaking for these yeah. people. Awful, awful. And I mean, to to have your dog stolen in lockdown when we can't get out and about as as we normally would and go and you know, um, it's awful. But I mean, it just shows people are crying out for pets and 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 company in lockdown, aren't they? And that's where the need is coming from, I imagine. But then, yeah. you know, if you, again, it's so wrong. Where are they going to, to go and buy a dog in lockdown? We're all supposed to be staying home. And it's, it's just... Well, I mean, a lot will be used for the puppies that have just been sold will turn up on different selling sites. So yes. there are people yeah. to, to check because they will be sold on. Um, but as the breeding bitches that are being stolen will be put into puppy farming. Yeah. Um, the gun dogs will go back into the gun dog um, fraternity. You know, they sh- they now have to start looking at how they have gun dogs at the shoots. There should be a check on dogs that are being brought in now because yes. this is it's ridiculous. Another three were taken from near where, where I am in East Sussex, um, Three dogs were stolen yesterday from mm. from secure kennels. You know, working wow. working dogs. They will be the value in those dogs mm-hmm. is back on the field. Yeah, yeah. So they will be sold on or used by some by a farmer who's got a shoot going. You know, these these it's organised crime. A lot of it now. A lot of dogs um, come back via uh, ransoms or reward money the people wait to see the reward money and then you you know suddenly dogs are returned or turn up at, at, outside their houses again um it is it's a good it's low risk high reward yes i'm dreadful you know we, we've also with my other hat we've got pet theft reform going on and we're waiting for a parliamentary debate um which was cancelled because of brexit yeah. <laughs> and now it's been cancelled because of um, COVID, so we're still waiting for a date uh, for the for the pet theft. But they tie together pet theft reform and Fern's Law. 
are, go hand in hand. You know, the you know the dogs are stolen. We want to get them back home. Yeah. But, you know, we need yeah. to stop the crime. And there are there are no punishments out there. You know, the prime example I always tell everybody is Betty and Harry, the two bugs that were stolen. Hmm. The thief went to court uh, last December, and he got a fine of two hundred pounds and four hundred pound court costs. Oh, and the dogs are still missing. That's and ludicrous, isn't it? Say that it's working. And they throw out to you, oh, you know, you can get seven years imprisonment. Well, no, you can't. You know, a dog is still a pot, a plant pot. It's yes. property. Yeah. It, you know, they're valued in court as under £500 as second-hand goods. That's oh. how they're seen in a judge's eyes. So that's yeah. that's how their hands are tied. Until we get um, dog theft or pet theft registered as a crime in its own right, it will carry on. Yeah, it just carries on. Yeah, yeah. Because when when we first we were talking about this earlier, you know Finn's law and the yes, yes the regarding of of police dogs and I think it's police horses and and you know as yes. if if they are attacked, it's it's um as bad as attacking a, a police a human a human I can't think of the word but you know a, a human police officer. So, yes. but do you think that will have a trickle down effect and and help your cause? Yes, they've been helping um, with pet theft reform. Uh, they can see because it's the the um, it, it's not just the owner; it's the damage to the dog. Yes, yeah. as well. You know, if, if you've been a happy family dog sitting in the comforts and mm. heart of your family one moment, and then you're just snatched out, yeah. what does that do to that dog? How does that dog cope? You know, it doesn't it doesn't bear thinking about. But also, Finns. Um, have have helped us with the ferns law they're looking into it at ways that you know they say if it's mandatory to microchip then it should be mandatory to scan you know you can't have half a system no you can't no you know so we've had to go the legal route because bva say they can't do it um they don't have the authority to make vet scan royal college say they haven't got the authority to do it but the government can Yes. And that's why we've gone with the petition to the government now, because we need the legislation included in the regulations of dogs. Yeah. It's the only way it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Boris has got a dog of his own, so hopefully, <laughs> let's think, let's hope that's something. We keep, we keep pounding him with things, but he's got more important things on his mind at the moment. Yes. But we will, we are not going to give up, but just keep people, please look out for Fern's Law petition to make it compulsory to check pets at first consultation and for rescues to check hand-ins and for wardens to check if there's no compulsion to scan the microchips they don't have to do it and there's nothing you can do no no you've you've made a great case there is there anything that you haven't had the chance to say yet well it's very nice to see you (laughs) (laughs) it's lovely to see you too (laughs) zoom yes (laughs) yes <laughs> well, i've not used zoom before but yes it's very useful isn't it zoom very good it's fantastic it's lovely for family reunions and yes everything. yes we'll yeah, yeah. So well, it's been fantastic uh, but just everybody get onto facebook and twitter if you see a missing dog at this time in lockdown share it wherever you are yeah. because these dogs travel all over the country you know, they don't just stay locally. I mean, my, I was lucky mine were 30 miles away, but I wouldn't have got there. I wouldn't no. have, I don't think I would have thought to go 30 miles no. away. But No, and if you had, you could have been 30 miles in the wrong direction and you'd have been 60 miles away from where they were. You know, it's, 
you know, just share, just share these dogs. Social media has been amazing in getting some dogs back over the last couple of weeks. It's been incredible, mm. the help from people. And there's so many um, groups on Facebook and Twitter that are all helping all these animals and we're all working together and they'll share the petition with mis- long-term missing dogs. I mean, there's so many now that Rags and Sky and Louie. I mean, these dogs have been missing for right from way back when I started, you know, mm. and uh, their owners help all these other organisations and help sharing and getting the message out there. And they need, everybody needs our help. Yes. They all need our help. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, best of luck with it all, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. So much to worry about there and so much we still need to do. How much longer will our dogs be regarded as mere possessions? Is that how you see your dog? A thing you own? It's not how I see our dog. Mischief is a family member, much loved and valued, just as Buddy and Star were. And goodness knows we still miss, think and talk about them every day. So for those whose dog is missing, it must be daily torture. To find out more about Debbie's campaign and support Bruce Forsyth's Vets Get Scanning appeal to protect our dogs, visit vetsgetscanning.co.uk. And if your dog is missing and you'd like help sharing them online, do get in touch. One of the big messages that jumped out at me in both interviews today was the dangers of leaving a dog in a car. It puts them at risk of both theft and the weather. And, of course, it triggers some dogs' territorial instincts. They're surrounded by windows. They may feel under attack from all angles. So it's not a great idea to leave a dog in a car. I know it's easier to take the dog for a walk and just pop quickly into the shops on the way home, but is it worth the risk? We took the decision after hearing Debbie Matthews' story, and I still can't believe that was 14 years ago, never to leave our dogs in the car. It can be inconvenient, but I think if the roles were reversed, our dogs would take the same trouble to make sure we were safe. So either one of us is in the car with mischief, or maybe sitting on a bench somewhere with her, depending on the location and weather. Or we leave her at home in her safe, familiar crate with distraction toys and comfort. What do you do? I know some people kit their vehicle out to make sure their dog is safe as possible. If you've done that, I'd love to talk about it with you. Like most things to do with dogs, a little forethought and planning can make things go much smoother. That's it for now. So until next time, look after yourself and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. My dog never stands up for herself. She just rolls over.